You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily Florida State Seminoles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Wayne McGay III. I hope you guys are having a very good week so far. Um, just uh, jumping right into it, there's there's a lot to talk about today. We've got James Blackman entering the transfer portal um, we've got the Florida State football schedule, which was released, and then some Florida State basketball if we have the uh, the time for it. Um, if not, then I'll get to it tomorrow. But before we get into that, uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm Wayne McGahee III, like I said earlier. Uh, I, the uh, Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democratic football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. Um, you know, I cover every home game, away game bowl game that Florida State football plays, any practices, any time a player or coach speaks, I'm there. I also cover every home basketball game, home baseball game, um, and any postseason basketball and baseball games. And then for recruiting, I'm at every major and minor recruiting event. So I have a pretty good idea of what's going on around the program. Um, like I said, the big news of the day was James Blackman starting the process to enter his name into the NCAA transfer portal. Um, as far as I, I know at this point, uh, only coaches are allowed access to the NCAA transfer portal, so I can't actually see, but from what I can tell, his name is not actually in the portal yet, but that's because it takes some time for the, um, for the name to enter the portal, uh, up to 48 hours from what I understand. Um, that's not to say that Blackman's name won't, you know, will ever be in the transfer portal he has the ability to withdraw his name at any point in time um, and take his name out of there and not be in the transfer portal so you know when the news broke today Knowles 24-7 broke the news that he was taking steps to enter that Um, we'll have to wait and see if he does actually um, enter the transfer portal uh, just because you know Florida State might talk you know might try to talk to him or I'm sure that they have talked to him um just to try and convince him to stay. You know, DeAndre Francois announced his return to Florida State for the spring semester earlier this month. And, um, you know, Blackman, Blackman sat behind him last year. He sat behind him for, uh, you know, for 11 games. Um, he ended up starting one. He played in four. And I just want, I want to clear something up real quick because I've seen, I've seen it a lot that James Blackman asked for the red shirt. He did not ask for a red shirt. It specifically, he asked for a red, you know, to not play more than four games if Florida State wasn't going to start him. You know, if he wasn't going to be the starter, and this was, you know, up until the the end of the season. If if he wasn't going to be the starter, then he wanted to red shirt. He didn't want to waste a year of eligibility by you know just playing in mop up duty or backup duty. That's that's not what he wanted to do. And I've seen a lot of places that were people were saying that he asked for a red shirt. That's not the case. He asked for the red shirt if and only if he wasn't going to start. He didn't start. DeAndre Francois started, so he got the red shirt. So you know, I just wanted to wanted to clear that up as far as that goes, um, because I think that's a pretty vocal uh, or, or pretty vital point for um, you know to to make here that people. You know, I don't want people to just assume that you know he didn't want to play last year, and that's why he didn't play. That's that's not the case. He did want to play, but he wanted to start. And if he wasn't going to start, then he didn't want to waste a year of eligibility in mop-up duty. So, but 
Blackman entering the transfer portal, if he does indeed into, in, enter the transfer portal and doesn't remove his name before, you know, before he does, um, I'm, I can't 100% confirm that he is taking steps to enter the transfer portal. I haven't been able to do that. Um, the people that I've, that I've talked to said that it's very likely that he did, but they, they didn't know for sure. And I don't know for sure. So I can't, you know, speculate on that at this point. Um, but if he did, obviously that's not a great sign for Florida state, Florida state's quarterback situation is dire right now. There's Deandre Francois, there's James Blackman, and then there's Jordan Travis who probably won't have eligibility unless he gets an NCAA waiver. I don't see how he's going to get the NCAA waiver. So I'm not counting on him to, um, to have an impact in the 2019 season. So right now that leaves James Blackman and Deandre Francois as the only scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. If Blackman were to transfer, that would leave DeAndre Francois. Um, and he was contemplating leaving in December, but obviously graduation issues and, and stuff like that came into play and he, he had to return for the spring semester. We'll see if he returns for the fall. Um, but if, if Blackman does leave, then Travis will be the only quarterback, scholarship quarterback on the roster um, for, I shouldn't say that. Right now, Jordan Travis would be the only scholarship quarterback on the roster if Florida State doesn't add any other quarterbacks and uh, James Blackman leaves for the 2020 season. Florida State is obviously looking at multiple quarterbacks in this recruiting cycle. So it's, um, you know, Lance Legendry, the uh, quarterback out of uh, Louisiana, and then John Rise Plumley, the quarterback out of Mississippi. Those are the two main targets for Florida State. Both of them are going to be on campus in the next couple weeks for official visits. Um, you know, Florida State is looking to bring in, you know, at least, not at least two, but hopefully to bring in two quarterbacks, uh, high school quarterbacks this cycle. They really need to uh, improve the talent of the quarterback position group and improve the depth. It's not great right now. So Florida State's, um, you know, kind of in a pickle there, but if they can land both of those guys it'll really improve the room now neither of those guys will be on campus until June and would only have a month of experience heading into the fall you know if the doomsday scenario happens of you know James Blackman announces his transfer and then DeAndre Francois announces his transfer you know after the spring and Florida State's left without a quarterback that has any experience and would be forced to start one of the freshmen or bring in a grad transfer at the last minute uh, that's the doomed to stay scenario. It's, you know, pro it's it's not very likely at this point. Um, you know, if um, if Blackman transfers, then logically, you know, you would expect DeAndre Francois to stay. If DeAndre Francois stays or transfers, then you would expect James Blackman to stay. Um, logic doesn't really play into the transfer portal and and everything else um, with to go on with college football. So. It's, you know, we're going to have to wait and see how it all sticks out. Um, I'm not sure if James Blackman's going to transfer at this point. I don't understand why he would. I take that back. I understand why he would if DeAndre Francois stays. Um, you know, because we saw last year, you know, that Coach Taggart wanted to play DeAndre Francois over James Blackman. And, you know, a lot of that is James Blackman's fault. He had a terrible fall camp. And he, he wasn't great in practice. Um, but 
he, uh, you know, he performed well against NC State. So who knows, you know, how the spring will shake out. Maybe he plays better this spring. Um, but regardless is if, you know, Blackman doesn't believe that he, he can win the starting job over DeAndre. Yeah. I find it, I would find it hard to believe that he would stick around to waste another year of eligibility. Um, if he could transfer and, and get into another program. Now that's, We'll have to wait and see what happens, but um, if he, you know, like put yourself in James Blackman's shoes, if he gets passed up for the job twice, why would he stick around with a coach that obviously doesn't believe him, believe in him um, enough to start him over DeAndre Francois, who, you know, showed last year that he was, he wasn't able to run the offense well. Let's just leave it at that. So it's, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how these things go. Hopefully I'll have, um, I'll have more clarification tomorrow. I was the reason that this podcast is taking place so, so late is because I was waiting to hear back from somebody who uh, never got back to me. That's you know the way the world works, but um, you know, so I here here's hoping. Um, you know, I think I think James Blackman would be a uh, at least from what we've seen would be a better fit to lead the offense than DeAndre Francois, but we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, Coach Taggart disagrees with that, um, or at least he did last year. We'll have to wait and see if he does it again this year. But um, just, uh, yeah, so, you know, James Blackman started the process of entering the transfer portal. We'll see if it sticks, and if he keeps his name in there and does indeed transfer, we'll have to wait and see on that, and uh, I'll have more updates as that comes along. So that's going to do it for this uh, this first segment of Locked on Seminoles podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And we'll get back into the second segment talking about my thoughts on Florida State's football schedule in just a moment. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I know that I absolutely hate going to the doctor. I hate going to the hospital. I just don't do it. I also don't like taking pain meds. It's just, you know, who I am. And, you know, that's to the detriment at sometimes. But the same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show that 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman has created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash locked. Fill out a brief medical onboarding chat with a doctor and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet unmarked packaging guys go online and get checked by the doctor erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle but with romance it's really easy so take care of it so for a free online visit go to getroman.com forward slash locked that's getroman.com forward slash locked for a free online visit thanks for sticking with me as we head into the second segment of the locked on seminoles podcast i hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed doing it, and um, yeah, so Florida State's football schedule, you know, really, if you know, just just looking at it, Florida State's schedule couldn't have come out any better. Um, you got Boise State, you know, to lead it off. Louisiana Monroe next the following week at Virginia on September fourteenth. Then you host Louisville at home, NC State at home. You get a bye, then at Clemson, at Wake Forest hosting Syracuse, hosting Miami, at Boston College, 
then you get Alabama State, a bye week, and then Florida. So two bye weeks. Um, it happens every, I think, four or five years just because of, you know, Labor Day is the first weekend of college football, and then Thanksgiving, where Thanksgiving lands, um, the final week, uh, final Thursday of November. So there's an extra week in there, and there's two bye weeks. And Florida State gets a bye before uh, before playing Clemson and then gets a bye before playing at Florida. So it's really a, an overall favorable schedule. Br- breaking it down by month, you know, September, Florida State has Boise State, ULM, Virginia, Louisville, and NC State. And then they get a bye, you know, at the beginning of October. So five games, then a bye. Um, Boise State's, obviously, Florida State's never played them. Um, I haven't even begun to start looking at Boise State yet, so I don't know what they're bringing back. Uh, they won 10 games last year. I believe their starting quarterback is leaving. Uh, he's graduating, so maybe, that, uh, maybe that'll help Florida State there. Um, but then it's Louisiana Monroe, who's obviously not great. And then it's at Virginia. Um, Virginia was a, a pretty good team this past year. They almost won the Coastal. So if, uh, you know, that, that could pro- that, that'll be the toughest of Florida State's first four games. Um, then you've got Louisville on September 21st hosting them. And, you know, Satterfield's first, uh, you know, first trip to Tallahassee as the head coach of Louisville. Then you get NC State at home. Ryan Finley's gone. Um, you know, so a lot of the offensive weapons on that, uh, you know, on that offense are uh, are going to be gone. Um, I believe both of the leading receivers and you know Finley will both will all be gone next season. So that's uh, you know that'll obviously help out Florida State, especially playing him early in the season. You know, who knows? Maybe Bailey Hockman, Florida State's four-year former uh quarterback ends up starting for NC State he signed with NC State he's on he's going to be or if he's not already on campus he's going to be on campus and he'll be competing for that starting job so former Florida State quarterback Bailey Hockman could potentially be starting for NC State against the Seminoles in Tallahassee on September 28th we'll have to wait and see on that um that would definitely be interesting uh you know to to say the least but you know, it, it's a favorable first five games of the schedule. Obviously, you know, I, I don't know how tough Boise will be. They, you know, seem to always be tough. Um, and they seem, you know, they're a well-coached team and all that. So that, that'll that be a tough first game. But then Louisiana Monroe is, is, a, is an easy game to get things going. We thought Sanford was going to be an easy game this year, but they weren't. Um, so, but, you know, Florida State in 2016 beat the tar out of ULM, um, to end the season and get bowl eligible or 2017. Um, but then at Virginia, you've got at or Louisville at home and then NC state that's September and October. You've got at Clemson at Wake Forest and then Syracuse at home. You get a bye week to start. So you get a bye week before Clemson. That's really the most that you can ask for. Um, you, <laughs> there's, you know, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence still plays for Clemson. That's going to be an extremely tough game. An extremely tough game, um, even with them losing most of that defensive front. They still return a ridiculous amount of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Did I mention that they return a ridiculous amount of talent on the offensive side of the ball? T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Amari Rogers. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, at wide receiver, uh, there's Travis Etienne, and then there's Trevor Lawrence. So just a ridiculous amount of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense, they've recruited so well. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball that it's hard to see 
I don't want to say hard to see too much of a drop off. That Clemson defensive front was incredible. So, you know, maybe we'll see a bit of a drop off there, but that, uh, you know, the guys behind them are pretty darn good. There's, there's no other way around it. They are pretty darn good. Um, then you play at Wake, you know, Florida State, even last year, you know, five and seven Florida State demolished Wake Forest. So maybe a little bit more of an easy game. And then you could, uh, Syracuse comes back. You'll remember Syracuse, Florida State uh, got absolutely just blown out of the water by the Orange last year up in, up in Syracuse. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see how Syracuse does this year. Um, without Eric Dungy. Uh, he didn't play most of the game this past year, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, this Everything really depends on how, how much improved Florida State is, obviously. Um, Miami at the beginning of November, uh, who's going to start a quarterback for Miami? Um, what's the Miami offense going to look like under Dan Enos? You know, Manny Diaz is back after a brief stint as the Temple uh, head coach. Now he's coaching at Miami. Um, you know, what, what are they going to look like? And you know, I mean, we'll just have to, we'll have to wait and see, but then at Boston college, that is always a tough game. At least it's not on a Friday night. It might still be the red bandana game. Who knows? Um, because it's, it's late in the season, but at Boston college is never an easy place to play, especially not in November. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how, uh, how Florida state can handle that. Then there's Alabama state in the bye week. You know, basically, Florida State has three weeks to prepare for Florida after Boston College. Um, you know, Dan Mullen and the uh, and the Gators absolutely just stomped all over Florida State's heart at the end of November last year. So that's uh, you know, get, getting as much time to prepare for the in-state rival is uh, is a blessing. You get a home game before Miami. Um, you have Miami before Boston College. That you know, that's the only one that kind of sucks. But you've got home games before, you know, you've got home games before Virginia. You've got home games, uh, home game before uh, NC State. You have a bye week before Clemson. You have Wake Forest before Syracuse. You have a home game before Miami. And then you have three weeks, you know, not, not, not to disrespect Alabama State, but I'm going to disrespect Alabama State. You have three weeks to prepare for Florida. So, you know, it's all in all, it's, it's a very favorable schedule for the Seminoles. Um, but really, if Florida State doesn't improve, it doesn't matter. But this is a very manageable schedule. If Florida State can improve and uh, look better than it did last year, we'll have to wait and see what the offense looks like under Kendall Bryles, um, how much of a step forward that the uh, the defense will take in year two of Harlem Barnett. You know what changes will be made. You know which guys will be uh, will be stepping up in the secondary, and then. Who's going to replace Brian Burns? That's that's a big question because he was most of the pass rushing production from Florida State this past year, and I'm not sure who's going to be able to step up and step into that role. It's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see who who uh, who tries to step up in that role because Florida State doesn't have, you know, maybe the elite player. Brian Burns coming out of high school was considered an elite player. He was undersized, but he was considered an elite player. Um, you know, after that, on the roster, I mean, I don't know that there's another elite player at defensive end. You know, you've got Janarius Robinson. Maybe he finally takes that step forward and improves as a pass rusher. He wasn't great as a pass rusher this year. He did better as a run stopper. Um, but, 
you know, they're, they're, it, it really just, it really all depends on how, how Florida State plays um, next season. But it is a very manageable schedule. And then, but that's going to do it for the second segment of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. In the third segment, we're going to talk a little bit about Florida State basketball. Um, and we'll jump into more Florida State basketball on tomorrow's podcast. But uh, I'm going to get into a little bit of it in the, uh, in the final segment here. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for sticking with me as we head into the final segment of Locked on Seminoles podcast, Florida State Basketball. Coming off two straight losses, the Duke loss, um, I'm, I'm not going to lie, that was the best game I've ever seen in person. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen Florida State play a lot of basketball games. It was the best game I've ever seen in person. Duke absolutely deserved to win, and Florida State deserved to win as well. Um, but Duke made one more play. What are you going to do? It's Duke. It's the number one team in the country. You know, I understand that Cam Reddish was uh, was wide open on that on that play. Somebody um, somebody got lost. Somebody lost their assignment. But he still had to knock down the shot, and he did. So, you know, obviously kudos to him. But you know that that was that was a phenomenally played game from Florida State and and from Duke. You know, two. Still very good teams, regardless of what happened Monday night against Pittsburgh. We'll get into that in just a minute. Um, but that was it was an absolutely phenomenal game. The atmosphere was incredible. I really enjoyed watching Florida State uh, watching Florida State play in that game um, because I think it was arguably the best game that I've ever seen them play. It was the best game that I've ever seen. Period. But um, yeah, so. Pittsburgh Monday night, two days after, really tough, uh, really tough turnaround after an emotional loss like that. Going on the road to play in a much improved Pitt team. Jeff Capel, you know, first year head coach for Pittsburgh, coming from Duke, uh, he had his team ready to play, and I... Pittsburgh won that game at the free throw line. They shot forty six. Those they hit thirty eight of them. They scored seventy five points. So more than half of their points in that game came at the free throw line. Um, it was a disjointed game. Yeah. Before I before I get into that, Florida State shot ugly, and I mean ugly. Uh, they were two of twenty two from three. Though they they had one three for the first uh, thirty nine minutes of the game. Savoy jacked up a meaningless three late in the game. Um, you know, to make it two, but it was a, it was a, just a brutal shooting effort. I mean, it felt like Florida State was playing with a lid on the basket. It was, it was abysmal, uh, their shooting effort. And then every time Pittsburgh would drive into the lane, they were rewarded with a foul call every single time. There were a lot of fouls that I thought, uh, weren't fouls. Um, Fiondu, Fiondu fouled out of the game with nine minutes to go. i Firmly believe that three of his five fouls were BS. They were BS fouls. Um, it's just the officiating in that game was horrendous. There's there's no other way to describe it. Uh, the officiating in that game was horrendous. Um, every time Pitt drove into the lane, they came out with a foul. They would go to the free throw line. Um, you know, McGowan's their uh, their freshman shot 19 free throws. That's ridiculous. They shot 46 free throws. That's ridiculous. It completely disjointed the game. It completely killed 
every single little flow of it. And there were a lot of fouls that weren't called. I mean, in the first three, like two minutes of the game, MJ Walker was tackled on the sideline and la- or not on the sideline, but on the court and laid on. I mean, how is that not a foul? At first, I thought, okay, they're going to let him play, and then foul, and then foul, and then foul, and then McGowan's, you know, gets up, gets called, you know, gets uh, gets a foul call and pushes Fiondu under the basket into the bottom of the basket. No foul call. Like he took and he shoved him into the basket. No foul call. It wasn't all on the officiating, but the officiating was a big problem for Florida State. If Florida State shoots better, it, it wins that game. You know, if Florida State makes 30% of its threes, it wins that game. But they didn't. You know, they shot poorly, and the officials took the game, you know, a- into their own hands. They 46 free throws is, is ridiculous. You know, Florida State was called for 12 more fouls. Florida State was called for 31 fouls in the game. Pittsburgh shot, I, I know I keep saying this, 46 free throws, but that's that's ridiculous. 46. They made 22 more free throws than shots from the field. That's insanity. I I, I don't get it, um, but Florida State now has to... Uh, has to go to Boston College and they have to come out with a win. There's there's no, you know, this is a, and I, I say this a lot, you know, I hate saying something is a must-win game. Every game is a must-win game, right? You know, you, you have to win every single game. But the stakes could not be any higher for Florida State. They can't afford to fall to one and four in the ACC. They just can't do it. I mean, this is a very good basketball team that has had an absolutely brutal stretch to start. You started out with number one Virginia in ACC play. You got trounced. You beat Miami. You play number one Duke. You lose on the last second. Then you have to play two days later against a pit team that's 11-5, and 12-5 and five now. It's a brutal stretch for Florida State. They got a few days off. They got a few days to rest. Trent Forrest is still has a lingering toe issue that, from what I understand, isn't going to go away for the rest of the season. Um, and then you have, you know, Terrence Mann, who's coming back from injury. MJ Walker, who has been absolutely awful. Holy crap. Um, you know, he's made, I think, three of like 20-something shots. I, I did the math the other day. I don't have it in front of me, but he, he's like he's 0 for 12 in the last two games. Um, it's, it's, it hasn't been pretty for Florida state, but, um, at least for MJ Walker, but you know, he, he was dealing with a knee injury coming into ACC play. Florida state's got, you know, has some time now to, uh, to deal with those injuries, get some, get some rest, um, get some practice in, and then they have to go up to Boston college and come out with a victory. They can't afford to go, uh, to fall to one and four in ACC play. Just. If it happens, Florida State's in uh, in really deep trouble. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I'll be back talking tomorrow. About we'll talk more about basketball. We'll talk about some football. Um, we'll talk some recruiting, and uh, that'll be that. But that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to hit the follow, like, you know, whatever it is on your favor on your favorite uh, podcast site to let you know when this podcast comes out. I really appreciate all the support. So thank you guys and have a wonderful day or a wonderful night since it is uh, past 11.